Welcome to the Practice Purchase Podcast, Season 4, Episode 7. We're talking again with Mike Pakula with Bank of America. Mike is going to talk with us about how to pick the right bank. It's really interesting. He's obviously a biased. He would love for you to pick him and his bank, but um, Mike plays it straight down the middle with this. Um, I love how unbiased he is with his advice. I uh, He's going to talk through a lot of the basics on how to pick the right bank, what about the right banker? What are some good questions to ask? He says some really interesting things that were very, yeah, not very, but different enough from provides an answer around real estate uh, that you're going to want to pay attention to that section. Before we get to the content, one quick heads up. Um, you know, it can be hard to keep track of all of these rules, um, you know, what's what and what to keep in mind as you're making all these major decisions with your lender. Um, if you need one, I've got a guide to picking the best bank and the best bank loan out on my website. It's free of charge. You're welcome to it anytime. If you go to dentalbuyeradvocates.com, click on the nine steps to buy tab at the top of the page. Uh, step five of buying a practice is bank financing. And as you click on step five, you'll see a spot for some free downloads. And one of those downloads is a guide to your dental practice loan. Uh, so feel free to grab that at your convenience if you ever want it. No pressure. Uh, so with that, let's get to Mike Pakula and how to pick the right bank. And so just as a reminder, I'm talking to Michael Pakula with Bank of America. Michael is one of the most experienced uh, and uh, qualified dental lenders in the country. Probably does more dental loans than, I mean, it's you and like three other people on the planet that do as much uh, as you do. And so uh, we're very lucky to have you here. We're going to talk about how to pick the right bank. Okay. So let me start very basic. Um, one of the most common questions I get from buyers is whether or not to pick a big national lender like B of A or one of the local banks. Now, you are, you're technically you're a biased uh, resource, but one of the reasons I have you on is I know you'll give an honest answer. So should, should they go dental specific? Should they go local? If they want to go local, what should they be thinking about and, and talk, you know, what types of questions should they be asking? What do you think? Well, I, I am. I don't have a preference between local or big. I, I'll be totally honest with you. I, I don't, and I work for a big bank. Uh, however, I do strongly recommend that you talk to a dental specific lender. There's many different reasons for that. Um, one, especially the conditions of the loan, uh, and we can get into that a, a little bit later. What it, what that is are certain criteria that need to be met before the loan can close. Um, and if you're working with a dental specific lender who does thousands and tens of thousands of these a year, they'll know exactly what to look for. If you have conditions that are the same as when someone opens a bakery, that closing may be uh, a little bit more, more difficult. Um, also, it could be advantageous for getting approved or getting declined for a loan. You may be declined for a loan because someone, a local bank doesn't know exactly how to look for the true profit of a practice. Even worse is you may get approved for a loan that a local bank, well, well, this person has a good amount of money and they have good credit, we'll just give them the loan. Well, they could be putting you in a horrible cash flow situation simply because they're not looking at this correctly. Um, and I imagine I, I could go into debt service for three hours, but um, those would be the two biggest reasons that I would choose a dental specific lender for certain. If it's a local bank that has it, great, awesome. You should absolutely talk to them, um, but make sure they're dental specific. If they're not dental specific, I hear you saying, I might not get a loan, I might not get as much money, and if I got a loan, it might put me in a hole. 
Exactly. Got it. Okay. What about, so some of these local banks will uh, really pitch hard on SBA loans. SBA stands for Small Business Administration. There's a, the, the other type of loan are conventional loans. So you guys listening to this, there's two, two types of loans you can get to buy a dental practice, conventional or SBA. Mike, what do you guys do at B of A and why should a dentist choose one or the other? Uh, we, we actually do both uh, through our practice solutions division. I would recommend in 90% of the circumstances, uh, especially if there's no real estate involved, I recommend conventional uh, simply because there is no fee. Um, uh, and sometimes the SBA will waive their fee, but it, what that fee is, is the government is backing 75% of that loan. So in order to do that, they need to take a fee up front, which is typically 3% um, of the total loan, which is financed in, as a part of the loan. Now, a conventional loan does not have that fee. So we typically don't require any money down on 99% of the dental acquisitions that we do. We would like you to keep as much money in your pocket as you can. And a conventional loan will allow you to do that. What I will say for SBA, there are circumstances where that may be advantageous. And here's one example. Before you give me the example, let me just recap. In um, the hundreds of deals you and I have done together, I can't think of an SBA loan. There may have been one in there, but it's like 99% of whatever you and I have worked on has been conventional, I think. Is that correct? I don't even think you and I have done an SBA loan. Okay, I, I don't guess think so. so. That's 100%. Okay. Um, but I hear you saying, uh, so I hear you saying conventional for nearly everyone listening to this, um, conventional is the way to go, but you're going to tell me the circumstances that SBA might be the right one. Yes. Okay. Uh, and in, in my personal opinion, here's where it may be advantageous to use an SBA loan over conventional. And that is if you are in an area like maybe let's say New York, San Francisco, Seattle, where uh, the real estate prices are very, very high. And maybe you have a practice where the collections are 700,000, but the, the condo, it's a great deal. And Brian, you've looked at it and you advise them that it's a, a good financial decision to make, but it costs 1.4 million for the condo space. It's going to be very difficult to get that to cash flow. We'll talk about that in debt service. So the only way to get that to work is the SBA can extend a term out for 25 years. And they only require a 10% down payment as opposed to a conventional, which is typically 15 or 20%. Meaning if it's a million dollar building, typically a conventional loan, you'll have to inject 150 to $200,000. For an SBA loan, it would only be $100,000. And you would get to extend the term out for 25 years. Bottom line, if I've got a really expensive building and the seller won't sell me the, they won't sell the practice without selling the building, I might look at an SBA as an option. That, in my opinion, that's one of the only times that you'd consider that over conventional, yes. Got it, okay. Which, we're, and just a reminder for folks, we're talking about how to pick the right bank. Which is more important? The bank itself, in other words, you know, the lending institution or you, the banker, the individual, Mike Bakula, or any of the other, what, it's 65 bankers or so at Bank of America, right? Which one is more important, bank or banker? Well, is their hair as good as mine? That's a, <laughs> that's a pretty big factor. <laughs> uh, I, okay, I, this may be the only time here that for, my, for my shameless plug, uh, if I will. I think the bank is is the first thing you should consider, of course, and make sure that it is a dental specific lender that is going to put you um, in the best position financially by far. Now, the banker is something that I think you should keep as an ace in your sleeve. And 
this is how this is how I pitch it. This is how I operate it. I take this very seriously. Um, my parents are both small business owners, and I never thought in a million years that I would work for a company as big and huge as Bank of America. I I, I never ever imagined that. What I do love about this job is they let me run this territory and my little operation as my own small business. So I believe that I have to pass that along to the people that I work with. So I love DirecTV and I love Verizon. I love the services they provide, but if I ever have to call into those places, my hands start to get sweaty. I know I'm gonna get angry in 30 minutes and it's going to be a horrible experience. Uh, look, Bank of America is a huge company and I pride myself on every client that I work with uh, and I have lists of people that I like to give out to folks uh, as testimonial. Anything you need, I am the person to call. I want you to have the big bank, all the bells and whistles that go with that, uh, but also the accessibility of one person at that huge bank. So if you can get that somewhere else, my goodness, God bless you, please go for that. But I take that very seriously. And that's where your banker is going to come, is going to be a tremendous benefit to you. If they're taking two or three days to get back to you from the beginning, I don't know, that, that may be a red flag. Maybe they're too busy. I don't know. Um, but the whole process will be much smoother if you have someone who is communicating openly and effectively and um, consistently with you. I've often told folks it's, you know, I, I split the baby, right? I say both, right? You can't, the best banker at a crappy bank can't really do much. But, you know, taking B of A as an example, if there's 75, 85 bankers, someone is number 85 and someone is number one. I would rather talk to number one or number two than I would. And so, um, you know, knowing who that person is, is really important. Um, shameless plug. I can help with that if you ever need it, but okay. So talk to me <laughs> about, um, teams inside of the bank. All right. So I'm, I'm picking the banks. You told me banker is important. Bank is important. I'm doing conventional. I'm doing dental specific. Um, what do I need to know about, you know, you said you run your territory kind of like a small business. You've got your own little, uh, fiefdom. <laughs> Don't tell them I told you that. Um, like who's on your team? How do you interact with other people? What, what does a buyer need to know about that? Great question. I've got two uh, people that help me package those deals together. As I mentioned before, uh, submitting them to underwriter in the best light. I have one person that helps me with all the deals here in the Southwest United States. And I have another uh, young lady who helps me all over the country. So between the three of us, we'll communicate with you. Um, throughout the beginning. I will be your point of contact throughout the entire process, but they will be there to support. And then once we have the loan approved by the underwriters and we send the approval letter out and there's a commitment letter has been signed, then we add one more member to our team, which is called our closer. And that person will gather all of the loan conditions, which is what I talked about earlier. Um, you'll need to gather a purchase and sale agreement, a signed lease, all of that stuff. There will also be someone dedicated to do that for you. They'll talk directly to your insurance agent so there will be three of us to try to make this as smooth as possible for you. Yeah. Three plus the underwriter, right? So I heard you, I heard, um, gosh, Jen's going to hate me for saying this, but there's an assistant, assistant to the Michael Pakula. Um, if you want to sound really smart, you guys listen. Partners. Yeah, partner, inside sales go. is the technical term, inside sales. Um, then you've got the underwriter was the fourth I was thinking of, and then you've got a closing agent. Correct. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot. I forgot about those underwriters. Can't forget about them. <laughs> um, we talked about the process internally. Uh, help me understand who um, you've got you and your partner. Who am I going to, if I'm the buyer, who am I probably talking to more? Am I talking more to you or the partner? 
Uh, it will be both of us. But as, as, as we're closing the loan, it will be the closer. Um, because the, and really that closer will be reaching out to the third party people that we need to close the loan on your behalf with, with that person copied, of course, on all correspondence. Okay. Final two questions on how to pick a bank. The first one is about how banks differentiate themselves. So when I'm, you know, watching an NFL game and there's a bank commercial on, uh, often it's like it's a credit card or it's a checking account or something like that. Um, I think in general, there is a thought that banks are just kind of, there's just piles of money and no matter what, the money is going to pay the seller. So what's the difference? Like, let's just go on rate. Um, you know, I'm going to go find the lowest rate. And we can, we're going to have a longer conversation about how to pick the right loan. But how do banks differentiate themselves? Like, you know, how, are, how, how is B of A different than, you know, the other 12, 15, 20 competitors in your space? And, and what should buyers be looking for? Another good question. Um, so I would say it's you should, as the borrower, you should be looking at the total cost of doing business. The total cost of what is this loan going to cost you once we have the interest rate with the you know the payment there, any insurances that may be needed. Uh, if there's if a bank is charging you for um, to use some of their banking products, you know what is that going to be? Uh, and really, what it comes down to is you need someone who's going to, like I said before, be completely open and honest with you about the entire cost of the loan. Rate rate is part of it, and it's a big part of it. But some banks will try to hide. Um, you know, they'll try to get there somewhere else. Uh, and if you have a really, I guess it goes back to your banker or bank question too, Brian, uh, the better banker, there will be no surprises at closing. Um, so every bank is going to try to make money in many different ways. To me, it's how is that information presented to you upfront and consistently throughout? That's how a bank differentiate, differentiates itself. Let me throw at you a cost. I don't think most buyers are gonna really um, think about initially and that's the cost of time, right? And when you say cost, I think I hear dollar signs. I can put it in Excel. I can put it in a spreadsheet and kind of mathematically calculate the cost of a loan, which you should do, which, you know, something that we do when we're helping a buyer compare a couple loans. Um, but I mean, it, are banks really that different on how fast they get back to you, how fast they can underwrite the loan, how fast they can close on the loan? Are those really that different from bank to bank? Absolutely. Without, without question. Um, give, give me a scope it. of like average closing um, that you see versus, uh, you know, you don't have to name any competitors, but like a competitor, yeah. when you, when you see a, comp a specific competitor on there and you just salivate cause you know, you can close faster than them. Like, is that a day or two faster, like two months faster? Give me a scope here. So I am working with uh, a, a husband and wife who are selling their practice and moving out of state to buy another practice. Uh, we are completely lined up uh, to, to purchase the practice in the next state, but they cannot sell. They cannot buy that practice until their current practice sells. Now, the buyer for that practice decided to go with another lender. The close date was December 31st. Um, we had just got an email saying we're still about two weeks away from closing. So now we're at a month. It will be with this particular lender who doesn't do a lot of dental specific loans, although they are a big bank. Um, so yeah, the time, it's costing both of these people at least one month, a whole lot of stress, uh, attorney fees. So yeah, that's one example that I'm going through right now where this lender just doesn't quite know exactly what they're doing and it'll be a month at, at the least. Yeah, and, and when the cost of time can be quantified, right, it's, it's, um, 
the sooner I could have been an owner, right? If I'm waiting a month to close, that month of ownership is real money that I could have made. Um, okay, yeah. Finally, um, picking the right bank, real estate. What do I need to think about when it comes to the building, the practice building, and, and it, how do I, um, how do I differentiate between banks around real estate? Um, I, I would. I always say if you have the opportunity to buy the building and it makes sense financially and it cash flows, this again, I take my Bank of America hat off here. This is just Mike Kulataki. I think that's a good investment. Um, I'm not telling anybody here to do that, but I think it's a good investment. If you have that opportunity, make sure uh, that the bank you're working with is able to give a loan for the real estate at the same time that you're buying the practice and make sure you know what those conditions are if they're not able to do it exactly the way that you'd like to. Most dental specific lenders will lend on the real estate for a first time owner and especially for a previous or current practice owner. Got it, okay, perfect. Thank mm-hmm. you.